A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Katie Bowles. There are only three more hustings left in the Conservative leadership contest. The 10th one is in Birmingham at the NEC tonight. Katie, can you update us on the state of the race so far and what to expect in the next two weeks? Yeah, I think the problem is we have reached that point where a lot of people, some of them were arguing that you need a long contest, and I was saying... Why is this still going on? And I think the fact the polls aren't really moving. Now, of course, Team Rishi will say the polls are wrong. It's not what they're picking up on the ground. Every vote to play for. But I think even if you buy into that, there is a sense it doesn't feel things are moving in a visible way. So I think with hindsight, a lot of MPs would actually want the race to have been shorter and be over by now. And as you say, we're nearing the end, but it feels very slow. You have a situation where Liz Truss is obviously spending half her time planning for government. She is uh, having meetings and evening her grace and favour home as foreign secretary, which is effectively planning her government, planning positions in number 10, plans for you know her, her first few days, presuming the polls are correct, and then also her cabinet. And then you have Rishi Sunak, who is still going around and doing new media every day of this week, doing another media appearance in the hope that you know things are wrong. But I don't know what Fraser thinks, it definitely feels as though the contest is running out of steam. Though this could be famous last words, and tonight's husting is gonna, hustings is just going to, you know, throw everything up in the air. I think it ran out of steam several weeks ago, really. And we've seen, if you really follow the bookmakers on the Spectator Data Hub, Liz Trust moves from eighty percent to ninety percent to ninety-five percent, most likely. Now, of course, these, you know, um, these figures are quite often wrong. And Donald Trump was given a five percent chance of becoming American president. Uh, but I'm not sure if a Tory selectorate is as mercurial as um, general elections where things are so close in the balance. I mean, they're harder to pull, right enough. But uh, Liz Truss has now got most Tory MPs, and we're now seeing defections from Team Sunak to Team, to team, to team Truss. You are getting some people saying, look at the state of the Tories in the opinion polls, and they're down to 32%. This is like 1997 wipeout territory. So please, Rishi, do the decent thing and throw in the towel, and uh, let this um, kind of internecine war come to an end so the Tory party can rebuild. He is rejecting this, saying he'll fight on to the very last votes. And by the way, it's I can see why. I mean, you can think that members should be given, there should be some kind of democratic element to this, members should be given the chance to vote. And I think the fault lies with Graham Brady, who extended this way, way longer than it needed to be. And I do think probably, I wouldn't say irreparable damage, but the damage being done to the Tories will take a long, long time. I'd be very interested to see when this trust starts, how popular she would be compared to previous prime ministers when they start. It wouldn't surprise me if she starts below Boris Johnson, who himself was way below David Cameron, who himself was way below Tony Blair. So she could be starting from a position of weakness, from which she will be governing. I suspect it won't be very long at all until the crises start to hit her thick and fast. So I think we'll, from this period of incredible, almost um, soporific cam, we will be entering a period of all too much drama. In case you say that Liz Truss is now spending half her time planning for government, Rishi Sunak has already hinted quite strongly that he wouldn't serve in any future cabinet, saying that you need to agree on the big things. Where does that come from? Is that a surprise? 
I don't think this is a surprise if you follow the logic of what he's been saying in this campaign. But as you say, that was an interview of Radio 2 on Monday. And I think it probably just confirmed. Um, I think ultimately we've also had plenty of briefings from the Liz Trust camp, which is she will offer him a job, but her team don't really want him to say yes, which <laughs> I'm sure haven't gone completely noticed. And therefore, I imagine there's some relief that he's now suggesting he won't. I mean, I think on a serious point, as soon as you effectively say your opponent's economic plan is immoral it's quite hard to then take a job and and agree to do various morning rounds if you look at the way he's fought this it's very different to the way that david davis fought david cameron david davis was pretty much all throughout that campaign gunning for a place in cameron's cabinet Uh, rishi sunak is i think right from the get-go made it very difficult to imagine he quit boris johnson's government because he says that you need to have your views aligned with that of the boss it's quite clear that he doesn't just disagree with her on policy. This is about the morality of politics. He doesn't agree with her on. He thinks that she is being deceitful in telling these fairy tales and not giving trade-offs. I interviewed Rishi this morning, and I've got a we're about lockdown, amongst other things. And one of the main themes coming from that was the importance which he places on trade-offs. He basically thinks that in politics, honesty is everything. If you're going to admit to a certain policy, then you need to say, what the costs of that policy are as well as the benefits and if you don't do that then you're misleading voters I'm not quite sure there's an ism attached to this but this is Rishi Sunak's irreducible core as Blair would put it that you need to be um, very honest about the flip side of the coin he was saying that the treasury was um, forecasting for example the fuel prices would be 4,000 to 5,000 pounds that the energy cap would be they were forecasting this right back in February and yet still the public weren't given any word of this. So the point there was, I think, his problem, he left Boris Johnson's government because he could no longer stomach a style of government which he felt was based on only giving people one half of the story. In lockdown, it only told you about what lockdown could do. We never spoke about the side effects. With Ukraine, we spoke about the need to defend democracy, but not the costs of doing so. He thinks Liz Truss is now talking about the benefits of tax cuts, but not about the side effects of borrowing more. And if you're so out of sympathy with another politician, it does become difficult to serve in their government. Katie, if Rishi Sunak does lose, him and a lot of important MPs will be on the back benches with him, who supported him during this campaign. What's the state of the Parliamentary Party going to look like after this contest? That is a question I'm examining for the new issue of The Spectator. But I I think clearly it's going to be tricky in the sense that Liz Truss now has the highest number of MPs backing her. And she has overtaken Rishi Sunak. But of course, I think MPs coming out to back you when you all the polls suggest you have a, a lead of over 30 points doesn't suggest, you know, the deepest loyalty in the land. Um, you can imagine that could move if things change. How many does she have backing her? So the latest figure is 136 Tory MPs are backing her compared to 124 for Rishi Sunak. 136 out of how many Tory MPs? There are 357 Tory MPs at present. So, of course, there are more people not backing her than backing her. Yeah, but there's some I mean, interesting parallel. She's going to face one of the most difficult periods of modern politics with a party only a third of whom, even now, are prepared to say that they want her as their leader. Yeah, and I think there is a question which is, do these MPs refuse to play ball on lots of issues, the ones who have never particularly liked her? And I imagine this campaign, if you're a Rishi Sunak supporter, because it's been pretty vicious, is not as though I think you'll have been won over... I think there'll be some reaching out um, you know, if she does win. But is it too little too late to get some on board? Or is it the case, actually, 
there's been so much bloodletting at this point. The Tory party is just exhausted. And I suppose the hunger for a fight or agitating or finding someone who can succeed Liz Truss just isn't really there. I think it could go two ways. Fraser, what do you think Liz Truss could do to unite the party? Wave a magic wand and bring back Jeremy Corbyn as leader of the Labour Party. I think the the Tories are united by the need to stop Labour. When it comes to what they do agree with, there isn't much um, consensus there. I think unification is going to be a real problem for this. And I think, of course, you know who doesn't like a tax cut? I think the Tories are, are all in favour of their... It remains to be seen if it's going to have the calamitous consequences that Rishi Sunak's team say that it will. This is, I think, why she isn't keen on having the Office for Budget Responsibility give their forecast on her budget day, because she knows she's going to have a relatively short window to give the good news of a tax cut. After that, I suspect it'll be bad after bad after bad. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.